All right. Okay. Welcome to the Thereafter Podcast, a place where we explore life on the other side of faith change. We're here to break down the binaries, deconstruct the dualities, and wander through what it looks like to live in the gray. In church, we were told that life after leaving would be a bitter wasteland of unfulfilling hedonism, but we've discovered quite the opposite. There's actually a vibrant community of people on the other side of faith who are finding and co-creating space for hope and healing. Come along as we explore the all too often uncharted expanse of evangelicalism, evolving faith, and the life thereafter. Welcome to another episode of the Thereafter Podcast. Portland Coffee, your host, along with Megan Crozier. Howdy, Megan. I'm so excited to be here, Cortland. I just I'm excited, so excited too. It's it, exciting. It's an exciting time. No, we, I just were joking because we just had Cortland's brother who edits the podcast have an intervention with us for using the word excited too much. He said so. we use excited. He said, get a, he said, buy a thesaurus. It was kind of condescending the way he said it. He said, you guys should buy a thesaurus. And I was like, I have the internet. Okay. But we're thrilled. We're really thrilled. <laughs> yeah. I'm elated uh, to be here. Uh, it's uh, cloud nine. For me, yeah. So <laughs> to be doing another episode of, of the podcast, uh, yeah. So we're gonna get into Twitbits and try to keep uh, our rambling short. But before that, or related to that, should we? Is this part of Twitbits or is this a pre-Twitbit segment? No, I think it's. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I was right. gonna. I was gonna throw out on last weekend. I did a thread to gather some resources for deconstruction. I think a lot of people reach out to me and they say, what should I be reading? What could I be listening to? And so I put a thread on Twitter to have people recommend books and the wheel started turning. And so I created a little discord channel called deconstruction book club. And I don't know, 50 people came in there and it, it's been good. We have, you know, some topics that we talk about and then we all picked a book to read for January. We're going to be reading unfollow which Cortland, you told me about by yeah, Megan Roper. Yeah. So that's exciting. But I just wanted to throw it out there because I also did another thread on podcasts and um, there's more, believe it or not, there are more podcasts than the thereafter podcasts that people can check out if they're yeah. interested. So if those are threads that I bookmarked, bookmarked, cause I was, I was like, man, these, there's some really great resources and some people that commented and responded. And so Check it There's out if you're looking for it. A good community. I mean, that's available for people who are looking for connections and resources. And like we've talked about, you know, so many people didn't have that. You know, there wasn't any type of uh, uh, resource when maybe they went through questioning or deconstruction, you know, X number of years ago. Um, and so, yeah, it's cool to have an instant, you know, connection with uh, people like through the discord, the discord is really cool. Like I haven't been able to get super involved in there, but hopefully people who are listening, if you don't have a space that you have to be able to just get on at any point and connect with people, um, we encourage you, how do people, how do people get into that discord? They can reach out to me. I can send them the link, but yeah, it just, it allows at, at the pursuing life on Twitter or Instagram, 
Um, and I have a couple uh, Instagram posts about it, but it just allows for a more closed space. It's, I mean, it's open, but it's not like Twitter where everybody's watching everything that you say. And um, like we had a discussion about Robin D'Angelo um, and, and white fragility in there. And so it's just like, yeah, it allows for more conversation where you're saying, you know, this is, I, I want to learn this and, you know, help me understand things like that. So yeah, check it out if you're interested, um, or just if you want to read the book along with us and we're going to have a zoom, zoom chat about it once a month, different books each month. So cool. Cool. Um, yeah, let's get into the, the couple things we wanted to talk about going on in Twitter. One was a, uh, Twitter thing that happened, uh, this week. And should I start with that one? And then yeah, another one Greg is something Boyd. that we addressed. You were, were going to talk about episode. Greg Boyd. Yeah. So I originally saw Jared McKenna, uh, wrote this long thread somebody else i believe shared it or maybe i saw it on his and he was calling out greg boyd uh who i'm not super familiar with but am somewhat i know he is uh academically influential in the anabaptist world and i have really enjoyed uh jared mckenna's uh stuff that i've heard from him he was on uh, a podcast that i will think of and put in the show notes um because i can't remember it right now um but uh, he's got an interesting perspective and he was basically calling out there was a situation and I'm going to probably mispronounce the names because I'm not super familiar with the pastor involved. I guess his name is Bruxy Cavi, KV. Um, and I guess he's an Anabaptist uh, megachurch pastor. He's got a church of about 5,000 up in Canada. And apparently this last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, there was some sexual misconduct allegations and he has been put on leave by his board and they're investigating. And I guess uh, after that happened, Greg uh, produced a podcast. I never heard it, but also tweeted out uh, kind of coming to Pastor Bruxy's defense saying, hey, you know, we're praying for you. We're supporting you. And this podcast, apparently, according to Jared's uh, post, was saying, you know, hey, let's not jump to conclusions. We don't know what happened. And he referenced the accusing woman, I guess, was the the Ugh. language that I heard brought up as kind of uh, the um, definite kind of incorrect way <laughs> to address yeah. this situation. Um, you know, naming Brexit by name, obviously, and then referencing this accusing woman, uh, and we don't know what happened and, uh, you know, we need to be there for Bruxy and, and they're on and so forth. So Jared, wow. uh, you know, kind of dismantled that and said, Hey, that's not like, that's not the response we need to have. And by the time I saw it, I think that podcast had gotten pulled down, um, and just highlighted the fact that, you know, uh, this positioning of, uh, you know, the accusing woman bringing down this man of God, uh, the language, whether intentional or not, was very, very problematic. And um, I ended up writing kind of a long thread um, about how we respond and address uh, sexual misconduct from pastors. Um, and then ultimately, I believe Greg Boyd did post a thread apologizing, saying, hey, I, I am sorry, I misspoke. I, I, my words were harmful. The way in which I spoke about this um, could possibly uh, keep women from coming forward, keep victims from yeah, coming forward. Absolutely. 
And that perpetuates a problem that I do not want to be perpetuating. And a lot of people said, hey, good on you, Greg, for, you know, not being defensive, for saying he fucked up. Uh, and then Joe Lumen wrote a long thread today um, just saying, hey, no shade on Greg Boyd's apology. The apology was fine, but it's amazing that we applaud and we give so much fanfare to men in power who do the bare minimum, which is mm. apologize. <laughs> and yeah. It shows you, I guess, how uncommon it is for a man in that position to actually apologize and apologize correctly that it's a big deal. And it got a lot of, you know, positive response because, wow. And she was just like, wow, that doesn't, doesn't that really show you um, how fucked up the system is that the bare minimum of taking responsibility and apologizing for the harm caused by your words is such a big deal. Yeah. And I think it goes to, it also speaks a little bit of the, the networked connections between pastors, authors, people in this space. And I think, you know, there's a little bit of this when, cause you said Greg Boyd was friends with this pastor, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there's this, this piece that's like, you know, oh, I've seen this happen to other people, but now it's a friend of mine. And I just, I mean, they're such a great guy. And so I just want to make sure everybody knows like what a great guy they are. And, you know, and I didn't see the tweets, but like, it just is this common thing where people come out and they really want to come out in defense of the organization, the church, the guy, um, and, and really jump to that. And it really continues to cause harm. It, I mean, it's like, you already have a victim here. And we're just doubling down on the harm that's caused to the victim by having so much support and buildup of the the person that has been accused or been part of an abusive situation. Yeah. And the thing that I found um, interesting slash triggering slash angering was, you know, this narrative that seems to be such a core part of the evangelical power narrative, um, which is women being the, uh, the cause of, of temptation or Satan's tools to take down godly men. Somebody tweeted out that that is, I guess, a common theme. I didn't read Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness, um, but I know that was a really popular book in the evangelical oh, I world. It, but I was like, 16. So I, Growing up, I really don't they, remember. They said there's at least four narratives within that story of women being kind of the 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 tool of temptation to to uh bring down, you know, righteous or holy men. Um so it's like women being used by the enemy or used by the devil to uh be this, you know, source of of temptation and and somebody brought up, you know, the story of Potiphar and Potiphar's wife and again this kind yeah. of sex crazed woman who's bringing down or trying to bring down this righteous man of God and how you know, uh, we frame it that men need to be extra on guard to protect themselves from these, you know, evil women. This whole narrative, it's like, it just started to appear to me like, wow, how prevalent and deeply baked in and fucked up it was. Um, I saw that is. preached. I saw when the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing was happening um, and he, he was, he, they were thinking he would be a Supreme Court justice and and all of that, I, it was preached at a church that I went to that Sunday. And they said, you know, they preached on Potiphar's wife. And then the pastor said, you know, I, I'm not trying to be political here, but when it comes to this whole hashtag me too, I just want to point out that men can be falsely accused too. And 
I, I remember I turned to my husband and I was like, we're never coming back to this church. This is our, this is our last week. And then I yeah. read Jesus and John Wayne and apparently that was common. It was a common sermon during that time. And so it is, I feel like you're right. People love to have this in the evangelical world, have this whole notion and, and it's where the Billy Graham rule or maybe some people call it the Mike Pence rule now comes where yeah. you can't be alone together um, because men pastors will say, I just can't, I, you know, I don't want to be falsely accused by a woman and you just never know. Yeah. I think it was during the, it was either the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast, um, where they, they played a clip from Mark Driscoll talking about all the women who, you know, had come up to him and, and tried to tempt him and, and, uh, you know, be inappropriate with him. And I think in that, um, it may have been Mike Cosper, or maybe it was another uh, person being interviewed, told the story about James Dobson having a similar trope, a similar story that he told about wrestling with God about something and going for a drive and a woman either pulling up next to him in his car or walking up next to him in his car and smiling at him. And oh. his inference was this woman was trying to seduce him. And this wow. was the enemy's way of, of testing him, um, on the brink of a break, a righteous breakthrough. And he, you know, according to the story, James Dobson drive to drives away or drove away, um, and resisted the temptation. And I'm like, like, nobody's trying to fuck James Dobson. Like no ever, <laughs> no one ever tried to fuck you, dude. Like, I, I don't know how the, 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 the arrogance that these men, you know, it was like listening to Mark Driscoll talk about, you know, women just throw themselves at me. I'm like, no, they don't. You're disgusting. You're gross. Like, yeah. like, like, like uh, it's just so, so, so much arrogance and it perpetuates this like really, really anti-woman uh, sentiment. Um, we, yeah. And we I think got to stop doing that. Back to Greg Boyd. I think there is there, you know, as I, I love what you said, I, I didn't see what Joe Lumen said, but I love that um, because I think it is a good point to note that, Hey, like, yes, he screwed up. Yes, he apologized. But hey, like, there's, we don't need to <laughs> just have that be the bar. <laughs> like, let's, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I, I think back to that too, it, there is something to be said about how you respond to criticism when you're living in the public eye, when you're an author, when you're a pastor, when you're a speaker, when you have, even when you're just on social media and you have a following. And I know that came up. It that came up on our interview that we're about to have right now with Karina from Deconstructing Black, um, and and she mentioned a situation that had had a lot of notice. And I don't know if um, you want to give a little bit of an overview about that, Cortland, or I can. <laughs> sure, I can. I mean, we'll we'll just basically say because at one point in the interview, this is later um, in our interview that you'll hear today with Karina from Deconstructing Black and Deconstructing Colors on Instagram. Um, you know, she was not a part of this, but got pulled into it. And she talks about that. Um, you know, there was a little, uh, uh, uproar in the, in the deconstruction community. It was a group of women, um, who went on a retreat together. Um, and yeah, if it were me, uh, you know, I don't have a huge platform, uh, or, you know, maybe you listening, that went and did this, no one would have noticed. And, and, you know, there wouldn't have probably been this uproar, but, uh, some of the people on this retreat were, you know, influencers, you know, people making YouTube channels and, um, you know, Instagram content and podcasts. And, 
the point of this post was to affirm body positivity. Uh, and so there was kind of a body positive post of them out in the, these women out in the wilderness and Joshua tree. Um, and there was a ton of backlash on social media. The original post, uh, was posted across a lot of these women's, uh, Instagram accounts, but, uh, I think the, yeah, I think it was originally on, on God is gray, Brenda, yeah, Brenda Marie Davies, um, posted it. And I think that's where it really kind of took off and people were pointing out that, Hey, you know, there's not a lot of diversity in this photo. There's not a lot of body type diversity in this photo. And, um, of course that led to lots of people having lots of opinions about it. Um, I know that for me, I, I was involved in several, conversations on discord channels and instagram group chats and and uh different places around the web that were we're talking about this uh and you know some people were like you know um a lot more upset some people were just a little cautious some people were hoping that you know they would respond quickly and i know that there were some responses um from these these women but also like um it's hard to know what to do when you post something that I, I'm sure that none of them in their mind thought that this was going to be the reaction of posting this thing that was supposed to be about this wonderful experience they had together and reclaiming their body positivity and body image and, and, and being free and out and, uh, you know, reclaiming themselves. And then to have this response, it's, it's, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the way to respond. there were what? A, a dozen women in this photo and the, you know, everybody has various social media, various platforms and, and different responses. And so I think, you know, I, I have a couple of thoughts. Cause I think when you're, when you're living in the public eye and when you're living publicly, you are going to get pushback. I've gotten pushback on things that I said on Twitter, on things that, you know, I, I've had tweets where I usually don't delete, but I will come back and say, Hey, I learned this from this tweet and this is how I will proceed. And, you know, and if an apology is warranted, I give it. Um, but I usually leave up the tweet cause I want people to still be able to see what happened and see the conversation. But I do think, you know, when you have a dozen people that are all in part of something, everybody responds differently. And I, I, I'm glad that Karina brought it up because I really appreciated her perspective on it and just um, what her perspective of being brought in um, and not necessarily seeking out, trying to be part of that conversation, but then being brought into the conversation and, and you'll hear that. Um, and so I just, we also wanted to give a little context for that um, for listeners when we, so that when we get to that point in the interview, people know what we're talking about. Yeah. Cause I think she just said, let's talk about the picture. <laughs> and yeah. then we, we didn't have any frame of reference. We just kind of, we all knew what, what she was talking about. Um, Megan and I, when we were talking about it, but um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I will, I want to specifically say Jamie Lee Finch um, came out later and she was one of the women involved. And I thought her response was, um, incredible and beautiful. And, and I've always, um, you know, the reality is like all, all, all of the people involved in this space are people like there are people who think I'm a dick, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah. they're like, like whoever you are listening, someone thinks you're an asshole. Like that's just the reality of being a person. Um, and so, yeah, if you're going to do public work, there is going to be uh pushback always. Um, but it one thing I I think too, some of it, and it sounds like, you know, and Karina talks about this a little bit, but I think 
Brenda talked with people privately and some, some other people had private conversations where they worked through and they smoothed things over and not everybody saw everything that happens. And I think some people don't realize that everything doesn't always happen in public. Everything doesn't always happen out loud, that there's sometimes that there are things where, you know, let's take this to a different space. Let's have this conversation. Let's have more drawn out conversation about this. And like you, you know, like we did in discord, like when we, you know, cause I talked with some people about that too. And just, um, it, it's sometimes there's different spaces for different things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think we can acknowledge at least for myself, I can acknowledge my individual privilege and then also acknowledge that I don't know everything about everybody. So I don't, I don't know what internal, um, work, um, internal, uh, 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 mental health issues, whatever other, you know, I mean, I have, I have plenty of people who would just call me a straight person, you know, because I'm, you know, pretty straight passing, you know? (laughs) So it's like, uh, you know, uh, Joe Lumen was on that trip. Joe Lumen wasn't in the photo. Um, Joe Lumen's not white, you know. So like, you know, the reality is that uh, no. And some yeah. people in the photo weren't. They, yeah. they were white yeah. passing, but yeah, that yeah. was also part of the conversation too. There's a there's a, there's a, there's just a lot of nuance. And the other thing that I think. I brought up Jamie Lee Finch, but I've heard her say before is anyone in the space, anyone doing in the work in the space, we are all dealing with trauma. Joe Lumen talked about it in her interview with us is like, there's a nervous system response yeah. that we're having anytime we have these conversations and you want to do, you know, work or have conversations or build relationships in the post faith deconstruction, faith change space. You're going to be dealing with people in trauma responses oftentimes. Um, and we need to do our best uh, I want to do my best to, to, you know, navigate those relationships with thoughtfulness and care, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So. so, and I think we should go ahead and introduce Karina because this was a really great interview and I'm excited, stoked over the moon to share this <laughs> with everyone. I, I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait. Let's get into the interview with Karina. Yeah. Welcome. We are here with the Thereafter podcast. Cortland here with Megan and our guest Karina from Deconstructing Black. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> We're really excited uh, to have you with us and and get to have some conversation, get your perspective uh, on things. I think the the best way to maybe start would be to have you kind of explain um give the listener just like a little bit of background on kind of like maybe how you grew up in faith and what the connection is between that and the point of starting a conversation about deconstruction and kind of entering into that conversation so we don't have to like go to like the whole backstory but i'm always curious like did you grow up in it get in it later in life have you been deconstructing a long time or you knew, uh, give us a little bit of background. Oh, okay. So I, I did grow up in the church. Uh, my earliest memory, earliest memory of being in the church is probably at three years old. Um, and of course, you know, I was in everything, every, every ministry you could think of. I was in it. I, I preached, I, led worship. I, uh, did children's ministries. I did, 
um, singles ministries, women's ministries, uh, all of that, everything. Um, I started deconstructing, um, of course, you know, just uh, not exactly looking to change anything about my faith. Well, no, that's not true. I was trying to change something about my faith because the first thing I noticed was um, I was part of this church that started out by basically just knocking on doors um, and giving people what they need, not asking them to come to church or anything like that, just saying, hey, what do you need right now? Oh, we need a refrigerator. I mean, we would come across so many um incredible situations and people in such dire straits at times. So it was nice to be able to just, you know, be able to, you know, fill that need. And so that's how the church started to grow. Um, It actually started out, you know, with a lot of homeless people and people who were in need, people who were in gangs, you know, things like that. Um, So it grew and became a huge, huge church. uh, The church that I went to, I'll put it out there. It's the Way World Outreach. And it's in San Bernardino, become very huge right now um, in that area. And um, to this day, still love my pastor, still love people, you know, that I engage with there. Um, But we lost communication when I started seeing something. And I, uh, you know, just began to question, well, I haven't really led people to Christ in the way that I want to. I should have been able to bring more people, (laughs) you know, what's going on. The aim as a Christian should be that, especially if we don't know exactly when Jesus is coming. Right. So why are we doing all these different events? Why are we doing women's retreats? Why are we doing all this stuff? It's just us. It's, it's all believers. So that's where it started for me. Yeah. Uh, It went from there to uh, learning about, African spirituality and different um, religions and beliefs. And uh, I've been deconstructing for mm, about 14 years now. And uh, yeah, I I didn't count it. I was like, I really have been at it for a while and it does not end. Um, You're always learning something new. You're always learning something new about yourself, about the world around you. So I uh, just, I'm in a place of learning and, uh, you know, continuing to open myself up to new experiences, whatever they may be. So what, so, so when you talk about that process of like, kind of like beginning to ask this question, was that for you, was that a slow process of, of kind of sitting and like thinking about these things for a while? Or was there like a, a moment where you're like all these questions all at once? Cause I think people have different experiences. There were, in the beginning, yes, it was slow. Um, Then there were spurts of many questions at once. Uh, It just depended on where I was on my trail. But um, in the beginning, it was simply, what are we supposed to be doing? What is the church supposed to be doing right now? Then when I went from there, I was like, okay, I started learning about the name of Jesus um, the fact that the letter J didn't exist <laughs> for them to even place that name on him. So I was like, okay, if we're not even saying the name correctly, and, and, and I said that because I remember being drilled over and over again, there's power in the name of Jesus, power. And I was like, we're not healing people. Mm. We're not changing people really, and not not in the way the Bible talks about. So 
maybe we're using the wrong name. Mm. Maybe we're not saying the actual name that gives us that power. So I was like, let me look up the name. I started there and it was just a snowball of different information that I was just like, oh my God. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. Damn. (laughs) What? Oh my God. All day long. (laughs) That was my reaction all day long. I just, every moment was a, a, oh my gosh moment. I, I, I couldn't, believe what I was reading, learning and seeing and, and hearing. I, I was, um, let me see. One of the first people I listened to on YouTube was a, um, Ray Hagans. Um, he's very Afrocentric with his teachings, but he did bring to light a lot of facts and things that I looked up after listening to him and specifically about, um, the name of Jesus, the names of God, um, exactly, um, what the church is supposed to be focused on the lies of, um, decolonization. He was huge on that. Um, and, uh, talking about, you know, uh, the original Hebrews and exactly what that meant. And getting into that led me into um, African spirituality and (laughs) indigenous practices. And so uh, seeing all of these things uh, connected to a lot of doctrines and ideas in Christianity, uh, you know, just it, it, yes, it brought a plethora of questions and things that I had never contemplated before. So, um, you know, basically I just saw a commonality with any belief that I studied and that was, uh, love, of course. Um, and definitely knowing yourself internal work or, um, introspectiveness, it just, just doing introspection and, 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 um, looking at, uh, everything about yourself first before you approach anything that's outside of you, even in the Bible, you know, it tells us to pull that moat out of our own eye, that self, uh, you know, introspection, that's, meditation that's going within and recognizing that uh, you have things to work through. You have your light, your shadow, all of that to work through before you can be of use to anybody else. So um, when I saw the church just going out and trying to compel people to come into their building Instead of, you know, because that's what it became after a while. It it went from just meeting everybody's needs to, you know, the proverbial mega church. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, it got very, very old, very, very quickly when I was doing my own studying. And that's the other thing. I realized I was, I was involved with ministry so much that I wasn't in my Bible. Hmm. And I was like, I, how come I ha- can't remember scripture? I'm supposed to be memorizing it, especially if this thing is going to get burned and the Antichrist is going to get rid of all the Bibles. And <laughs> I got to know it, right? And I got to be able to pass it on to somebody, right? 
so I need to start memorizing it. Well, I, you know, it took me a long time to even get past Genesis because of what I was reading. First, I read about how the earth was actually in existence in the creation story before anything was formed on it or in it. It yeah. was a void that, you know, God hovered over. And yeah. Satan was also already there, too. And I was like, I missed that part. What else did I miss? So I, I'm looking at just the story of the creation and uh, realizing that, well, wait a minute, God made the animals first in this story, right? God made the animals first. What's the significance of that? Because, I mean, they always say, you know, well, God has a purpose to how he does things and what he does is for, for a reason, right? So I'm yeah. thinking about the fact that he made all the animals, all of the elements, all everything else, and then he decides to make human beings. And I was like, were we an afterthought? Hmm. All of these little questions started to just bubble up and, and come out. And I was just like, I, I never thought of these questions, uh, you know, in depth. They were always in passing. Mm. I would go in worship and I would be like, you know, why does God need this? Oh, you know what? Forget it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I, I, I would be like, mm -mm, no, no, Satan, no enemy. Now you're not going to distract me from my worship. You know, that, that, you know, when I say I was deep in it, I was deep in it. But um, I would, uh, you know, let these questions pass. They would only remain in my mind for seconds until I actually sat down and contemplated them and really mulled over them and learned so much in such a short time uh, because it really comes like a flood at you. It, it just, once you, once you uh, take the finger out of the dam. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it breaks. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. So you talked a little bit about um, learning that there's different interpretations of the Bible that you have known all, that you've been taught this whole time, but you're starting to realize, wait, hold on. There's others, there's other ways to interpret the Bible. And maybe this way that I've been taught is not the way. Um, did you start having conversations with people around you at that time? That was I know, exactly my question. Too. Yeah. I mean, what for was me, the reaction? I started <laughs> deconstructing during the pandemic and wasn't sitting with people during these conversations. And so I'm curious, were you talking about these out loud? Were they just thoughts that you had or did you dive in and say, Hey, wh what do you think about this? This is what I'm starting to realize and think. No. Um, and the reason why is because one, I've always recognized, um, I've never been confrontational and I learned why. And it's because I innately protect my own energy. I don't engage in conversations where somebody's not ready for the conversation. And that is even when I am questioning something. I don't need you to brush it aside when I actually want a real answer. Mm. And um, 
Part of that is also because I was living by myself. Um, I was at the time looking for another church. I was looking for another church that was really doing what the Bible says to do. That's what I was looking for. And I realized there weren't really any that were actually following the Bible verbatim. Like if you were to take the Bible literally, which is what we were taught, um, then no one was doing it. Nobody, (laughs) not not one single soul, not one church was doing it. I managed to find a radio station where I felt they were closer to it than others. So I started listening to um, Jimmy Swagger. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, he. This may he be the a, first time that Jimmy Swagger yeah. has involved been involved in a deconstruction story, and I'm I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he I hadn't fully understood the gospel, and he was teaching it from his perspective of my my because one of my questions was why do people in church still fuck up, still sin, still do you know stupid shit? Why do they still do it? Yeah. Um, a good question. His explanation <laughs> was you're in a process of purification. You're not instantly changed. You have to go through these different things in your life and experience uh, with God, holding your hand and giving you the Holy Spirit and teaching you how to use the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's more realistic. You know, to think that, okay, um, I have this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit through my mistakes and et cetera, is going to teach me what I'm supposed to do next, okay, to get it right the next time around, things like that. Um, So (laughs) there was that part. But then there was his wife, and she has this show, and she said that um, (sighs) anal sex was a sin. Mm. and fellatio was a sin and i was like can't get with that (laughs) (laughs) that may have been a part of other deconstruction stories that i've heard before no no (laughs) actually no i i didn't stop that but when i look back on it i'm like is wrong with this woman and what kind of life she (laughs) (laughs) said no on me um Gotta at least have the fellatio, but <laughs> <laughs> you gotta draw a line. I mean, come on. Uh, but uh, you know, I was listening to their radio station, watching their TV show uh, when I could catch it online. They had a um, they have a website, and their shows sometimes get you know the the episodes get placed online, so I would watch them late on my computer or um, you know because I didn't have a TV. But um, I would uh, listen to that. And I was looking for a church that, you know, had that similar perspective where, okay, you don't have to be perfect right away. Um, You can let the power of the Holy Spirit work in you and then change you over time. Um, And you have to rely on Jesus as uh, the, um, uh, the pivotal symbol of your faith. So in that way, you're not letting all these other doctrines creep in and things like that. That was their perspective. 
It made okay. sense to me. I was like, okay, that makes sense to where, why the church is going all the way over here. You know, let's throw another concert. Let's make a movie and put on a show. Let's put on another play. Let's have another conference, you know, and let's start a school. <laughs> let's start a spiritual yeah. school. Uh, you know, and, and I was like, please just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Can we get back to the basics? That's where I was. And the interesting thing is, is that I wasn't asking for a whole lot. I literally prayed and I asked God, without anybody else's input, I want to know who you are. I don't want anybody to veer me, sway me, you know, persuade me, give me their input, their perspective. I don't want anything skewed. I want it straight up from you, like directly. You said that I can have a relationship with you, so this shouldn't be a problem at all. I want to know exactly who you are from you. Mm -hmm. That's it. I I didn't need, um, you know, necessarily uh, material proof because I expected something that was spiritually based to give me something spiritual that resonated with me. I felt that it was something that was going to come from in here somewhere, you know, but it never happened. Not like that. Anyway, um, my beliefs have shifted, but, um, not so far away from, um, you know, the idea of a creator or, you know, some other power or source. I, I yeah. still, you know, feel a connection to something. Um, okay. just not the Christian God. Um, so, go ahead, Megan. Oh, I was just, I, I was going to make a comment and Cortland, if you have a question, but I think it's so interesting that so many people deconstruct when we're listening to what we're supposed, quote unquote, supposed to be doing. Right. So you're like, I, I feel like I should be reading the Bible and I feel like I should be connecting with God or divinity and that's not happening. So I'm going to do that more. And then the more you lean in, the more you start to uh, kind of unravel what you believe about that thing. Right. And so I just, I I think that's so interesting because I, I hear that a lot in deconstruction. Um, I'll throw it back to you, Cortland, if you had a question, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, that, that's exactly kind of my question is what I'm hearing you saying is like you were addressing this cognitive dissonance that I think a lot of people experience. That's like, okay, well, we're told this, but my experience is this. I'm told this, but my experience is this, or I'm, I'm, I'm told this, but then I look around and people aren't actually doing that. And, and I think oftentimes we just kind of lie to ourselves. At least I did for a long time and go like, oh, well, they are somehow, or I don't understand it, or it's, you know, God's ways are beyond my ways, or whatever, whatever justification, we can go to not think about it. You just open yourself up a little bit to like, actually asking those questions. Mm -hmm. When was it for you that that then shifted to allow you to start, um, I guess, asking some of those maybe unaskable questions because the questions you were asking in the beginning are like very like, Hey, why aren't we doing the basic shit that Jesus said to do or whatever, you know, like that's a reasonable question that should be able to be asked at most churches. But then there are some questions that it's like, well, how do we know this is really true? Or it feels like maybe you got to a point where there were questions you had to almost be on the outside to ask, or other people might perceive you as being an outsider. If you're asking those questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As I got, um, 
more uh, acquainted with um, the basic questions. Um, when I sought the answers, that's when the uh, more complex questions came. You know, it just it, me. I like I said, I wasn't trying to um, wasn't exactly pursuing anything except for a deeper spiritual practice. Um, a, so the Gospel I, Coalition didn't have it right. You weren't just wanting to sin, or what was the other one? It was like you wanted to be cool. Street cred, I think. <laughs> street cred. Yeah, you were pursuing a real faith. All right. I just want to get that on the record. Yeah. Yeah. I even went back. I, I actually had a time where I was going to rededicate my life to God. And I was like, okay. Um, uh, I had already started um, dating my uh, husband at the time again. And I even went as far as we have a child together. And I was like, you know what? Um, I just, I, we're not married yet. I just want to, you know, keep our relationship pure from now on. And he was like, what? <laughs> God bless him. He was mm -hmm. he was a sweetheart. He really was. And he was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but um when I began, I was just like, what for? Why? You know? Yeah. So that didn't last very long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um uh, we had too we have too much of a connection for that. We really do. So, so there's just there was no that wasn't going to happen for very long. It just wasn't. <laughs> That's one of those the experience didn't line up with what what people were saying. You're like, nah, <laughs> right? This is wrong. I don't want to be right. I and and my re my resolution was we had already agreed we were going to be married. So just might as well keep keep going, you know and. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I was getting to a point there. <laughs> it's all right. That happens all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you're uh, kind of wa walking towards like asking the bigger questions or maybe the questions turning you into a bit of an outsider. Yeah. The bigger yeah. questions came along when I started looking at um, YouTube's of people who were asking the same questions and talking about, I used to be a Christian. I used to do, and I was just like, huh, wow. Like um, one person who I'm, I'm hoping I get to interview soon, um, Kevin Wesley, he was a pastor and he was being groomed to take over as a senior pastor for his church. Um, his senior pastor passed away at some point, and he was, of course, during that time, his pastor was there, was being coached, and, you know, and um, he decided that he was going to do the same thing, you know, pursue God and, and make sure that he was ready for that calling and make sure that he knew his stuff and, uh, you know, dug right in, asked the questions, found out about the holidays. That, that, that alone, I was like, we're not supposed to be celebrating Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You know? But when I learned that the Catholic Church adopted those things, you know, and I was just like the desperation, you know, that they use to uh get people to stay in the pews was incredible. The fact that mm. they were so um adamant they would take on all these different um events uh, like Saturnalia, like, um, what was it called? Um, I always mispronounce it. 
Sanheim or I can't, I can't remember how to pronounce it, but for right. Halloween and, you know, all of these things. So it's now it's harvest festival, harvest night, you know, things like that. And they have to adopt all of these different practices to get people to uh, stay under their umbrella. That, that was baffling to me, but uh, back to him, he um, eventually, you know, left the church because he started to find out things. And um, one of the questions that he asked was why, when we so-called sin, God gets mad when he knows we're going to mess up. <laughs> That's like me looking at my three-year-old running around the house. There's a glass or a vase or something on the edge of the table. I know that child running in the direction of the glass or the vase. They knock it over. I get mad. Why do I get mad? Mm. I already knew eventually that the child was going to knock something over and break something. I already know that comes with the territory of running around like that. So do I get mad? No, no. I just get up, get the baby out the way and clean up the mess, right? Right. But no, God of the Bible gets mad at you and so mad at you that he comes down to earth and kills himself <laughs> and throws you in hell <laughs> yeah. you don't uh, believe that he did that for you. Yeah. Makes me wonder. And then it brings about the questions and the thoughts and the ideas that, you know, that's a good uh, recognition that he gets that angry, comes down, kills himself. Did he do it for us or for himself? Was he just throwing a tantrum? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess that really depends on who you ask. I mean, I like John Piper would probably, he said he did it for himself. He, he Everything is for God and you are basically meaningless. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's incredible. And then uh, to die for us, say we're so valuable, but yet our works are like menstrual rags. At least that's what we were taught in church. We were taught in church that rags... Mean, you know, the rags that women would use back in the day for their cycle. Yep. Gotta yeah. gotta throw throw a little uh, extra patriarchy on top of the 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 shaming there. Yeah. Whereas in other practices, the blood of a cycle was sacred and sometimes medicine. It's the truth. It's that. I know some people aren't, you know, used to hearing stuff like that. You probably not a you know, but that is that's the truth. <laughs> so it was yeah. looked at as something um, well that was welcome, that was beautiful, that was part of the cycle of life, and um, you know, accepted as a as something to celebrate. It was the idea that you know uh, a woman is able to bear uh, you know another generation. That was a celebratory thing, and so many other practices. But yet in the Bible, a woman is supposed to hide herself and she's considered filthy during her cycle. That right there, too. When I got into that, I was like, oh, man, come on. Now. Come on, God. The roots of the, the whole pain and childbirth being connected to the curse and, the, you know, all of all of this stuff that's weighted towards women in 
the mythology of the human curse being really put upon women. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you bring up, you know, you bring up this, this issue of patriarchy in some of the, the stuff that you're saying here. You also brought up this adoption of different practices, other sacred practices, other rituals, holidays. So that in part is colonization, right? It's like, you know, taking and then, you know, putting supremacy culture in charge of, you know, these things that we clearly didn't invent <laughs> as the Christian <laughs> tradition and church. So I feel like some of your work has been involved, you know, around a lot of those topics. Can you talk about like some of those, those aspects of, of conversations you're having? Uh, I know you've had conversations with Joe Lumen about these topics and, and other folks talking about, colonization and supremacy uh uh culture and the centering of whiteness and like all of those different things how did that impact your deconstruction journey and at what point was that wow um well let me that's say a big question you said, you said joe lumen's name i don't know what it is but every time uh, i hear or see her name i smile because um, that's valid yeah. she's a big-hearted woman she's amazing she reaches out to me to check on me I just, I love her. I love, love, love her from, from my heart. She is amazing. And um, everything everybody says about her, that's good. It's true. Anything anybody say that's bad about her, they can kiss my ass. <laughs> Cosign. Cosign. <laughs> yeah. Retweet. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, when it comes to decolonization, that was... Um, that was kind of uh, at the tail end of, um, you know, that was my most recent stage in deconstructing. I had to um, let go of the doctrines first. I had to let go of um, the um, shame and the self-loathing. Then mm. once I let go of a bit of that, still working on it, but let go of that, that self-loathing, um, I was able to look into, okay, let's exchange the self-loathing for self-love and self-knowledge, knowledge of who I am, what I am, why I'm here, what I want to do, things like that. So I started looking into my own um, aims in life and what I wanted to pursue when I did that, I started to look at the things that I wanted to incorporate in my life. And I started looking at different versions of spirituality. And um, when I got wind of Taoism, when I got wind of um, the Yoruban practices, when I got wind of Native American practices, um, you know, there were so many similarities and so many connections uh, that I thought were incredible. The traditions are so beautiful. And uh, Wicca as well. Um, there are so many beautiful traditions in um, those beliefs um, that, uh, you know, definitely connect the Celtic um, practices, all, all of that. Druids, I mean, they all have um, the idea of being connected to everything and everyone and therefore valuing it all and taking it all in and, and not taking it for granted and, um, you know, just living a life full of gratitude for it. So I noticed that that wasn't a common practice among, um, you know, Eurocentric um, nations and, um, 
factions. It just wasn't a thing. The idea of um, individualism and you have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Um, that idea wasn't ever a part of the um, community that I'm from. You know, the black community, although, mm. you know, we can be crabs in a barrel sometimes, we really can. We got work to do. But ultimately, when the wire is, I mean, when it hits the wire, we back each other up. Mm. Notice how when there's another shooting or, you know, there's another death in our community, everybody bands together and says, no, this this isn't right. You can't do this to us. Mm. I wasn't shot, but our culture has always been about community and oneness of uh, 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 togetherness um that's what i'm starting out with with deconstructing colors that's my other ig page and that's why i put hashtag togetherness because that's something that's from my community that has worked to create that resiliency that we've always had because when something would go wrong, the whole neighborhood would band around you and support you and nurse you back into your strength. There's something specifically about Black women that we have this thing where um, I call it the bosom, where, you know, you, you ever have a, 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 a big lady in your family, that aunt or that grandma has the big bosom. And when you, you want to cry, you know, and you just, you just lay your head right there and she hugs you. And it's something that's so comforting. Well, black women have a natural bosom. You just go into it and they can just heal you. Mm. They can just uplift you. I noticed that something that I would do um, all, for a long time, I would tell people something about themselves um, you know, something positive or something encouraging. And I would get told a lot that um, you may feel like I can do anything. Hmm. I was like, that's what that's, but that's what black women do. Hmm. That's what we do. There's something I don't, I, I can't, I still have yet to put my finger on it, but I think that there in my mother, my grandmother, um, you know, when my Nana passed, there were so many people that still came by her house looking for her, for her nurturing. Mm. And I was like, mm. wouldn't she? It was a kid who would come to her all the time and he was looking for her and, you know, asking, Where, where's Nana? And he didn't know that she had passed. And so, um, yeah, that thing, it just gets passed down and we exude it uh, a lot of the time without even knowing that we're doing it. <laughs> and um, I've learned to embrace it. Um, but uh, when it comes to the, you know, decolonization of faith, man, um, it was pretty instant for me when I saw the connection, you know, to politics and slavery um, and not necessarily slavery, but the politics of it all, 
and what actually was the spirit behind it. Because the idea behind all of that that happened with the European slave trade and um, what they were trying to do is um, just exert power. Yeah. And in a way where, um, you know, it was theirs and theirs alone. Instead of it being able to be shared, um, they've remained the gatekeepers for who passes through the gate to, you know, get yeah. to a certain level. And yes, you know, we have the Jay-Zs. Yes, Rihanna, she's a billionaire now. Great, fantastic, wonderful. Um, but I don't believe in forgetting why it took them so long to get there. There should have been billionaires ages ago because of um, Madam C.J. Walker. Why isn't her family um, hitting the billions yet? I don't even know know that. What is that? Tell me. I mean, like, who is who? I feel ignorant. I guess that's Madam C.J. Walker <laughs> lived down the street from Rockefeller. Okay. She was a self-made millionaire, black woman, first uh, self-made black woman um, millionaire who uh, had a um, hair product business. Now, there's such a conflict because she had a hair product that straightened black hair. Okay. So... I recently thought about that and the correlation between how um, black hair, uh, we always change it to, um, you know, for survival purposes. Yeah, mm. we want a job, we got to straighten our hair. Yeah. <laughs> or slick it back or something. Um, times are changing slowly but surely. You know, I, I can, you know, be comfortable at my profession, you know, and, and be able to wear my hair the way I want. But there's still places that, um, you know, view certain hairstyles as not acceptable or professional. Right. Yeah. Um, I've been told that <laughs> I've been told my hair is unkempt and, you know, it's curly <laughs> and I'm like, OK, well, OK, no. <laughs> can I say to that? I have to get a paycheck. Um, but the, um, element of, um, uh, having a business that was successful based off of something that made your community more Eurocentric and more acceptable to white society. I had to think about that. I, I admire her work. I admire what she went through and, and, press through to be what she was to show. And she did, she wanted to show black women and black people everywhere that they could do this thing, but they were gatekeepers that let her do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. of the kind of products she was selling. I, it, I, you know, it was making our hair more acceptable to them. Mm. So yeah, come on in slap that lie on their head mm -hmm. yep yeah. um you know folks who have you know been successful in the black community at first did something 
or had something going on that was actually detrimental to the community first. That's, mm. that's, that's the door they have to walk through until they get to a place of, you know, a decent amount of independence to where they can change and do as they feel. Hence Beyonce being pro-black, hence, you know, um, Oprah being more, you know, um, lenient and, and leaning towards, you know, uh, building up our community now. Whereas before it was, she had to establish her career to become what she is and had to walk through certain doors, had to rub certain elbows, had to scratch certain backs to get there. That's just, that's just the nature of the beast. And, um, there were times where they did harm to our community, whether it was, um, emotional hurt or whether it was actual, like, direct hurt, like selling drugs in our community, things like that. You know, everybody has their journey and I'm certainly not negating their success. Mm. But I noticed that in a Eurocentric society, black people have to pay a huge price to get uh, success and to get past where they are. You look at Candace Owens, she has a lot of success. But her message, albeit passionate, uh, doesn't uh, is not making an effect in our community. Yeah, it's just not. Um, and she's feeding the monster. You know, she her intent. I, I, I you know, it, 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 it's. Mm, you know, yeah. I, there are times I understand what she's trying to do or what she says she's trying to do. But um, ultimately, uh, when you have a majority of white people amening you and clapping their hands at you, it means that uh, you're a good house. Well, I ain't going to say that word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I. I I hear what you're talking about, and one of the things that stands out to me is when you talk about this sense of community and this sense of 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 you know kind of like oneness and being in this together. It does feel like something that's very much lacking and almost uh, uh, completely almost vilified in the culture in white Eurocentric culture that that says like oh well that's not my responsibility like i didn't i didn't cause this problem and so mm-hmm. it's like we're just taught at least i was to ignore these problems and it's interesting when you talk about a- more ancient spirituality i've talked to a lot of people who are um a lot more versed in the jewish tradition and ideas like sin and repentance were in the jewish tradition were always communal like you didn't you didn't have an idea of sin that was like oh you did a sin it was like we are mm-hmm. sin, we are sinning right like and like now i i hear white white people be like well i didn't do this i didn't do that i didn't do that you know there's just this and it allows for us to just ignore so much that that is clearly our responsibility yeah. uh yeah 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 it's it's and and that's the thing that's why i am trying my best to plant seeds of togetherness. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I know, you know, that these kinds of things 
you know, take time and they can make a difference, you know, in, in certain respects. So I try to promote that, that togetherness, that idea that, you know what, sit back and listen just a little longer, even when it hurts. There's times I'm having a conversation with my husband and he'll start talking and he'll start saying some shit. And I'll be like, mm. <laughs> but then I stop myself and I'm like, let me, let me zip my lip. Will I say anything? And then he comes around to a point and then I get enlightened. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that's what he means. And then it ends up being a beautiful conversation because I stopped long enough, just long enough past my irritation, even anger sometimes to hear the whole thing, to hear the whole of what he's trying to say. And that's what we don't do with each other. Yeah. I'm going to mention it. I'm going to mention it because I didn't get, I didn't really talk about it because everybody else was talking about it and they were talking about it prematurely. And it was the picture. Talk about it. Well, yeah, I'm ready. Talk about it. <laughs> Do it. Um, some of my friends were at that gathering and I'm glad they were. Because the compassion that I want to continue, you know, that the, the compassion that I want to continue cultivating in myself so that I can do the thing that's in my heart to do, and that is to promote togetherness, um, was necessary for looking at that situation. I saw the picture only because one of my friends sent me her individual picture. And I said, oh, my gosh, go ahead, girl. You go ahead with your free self. Go ahead now. And then everybody saw the picture. And I was just like, oh, okay. You know, that wasn't something that wasn't seen before. You know, like passing white women and, you know, in a picture of that sort. Not something that's new to any of us. What was a little alarming to me was that the people who were complaining about it pulled people like me into the conversation. Hmm. And we didn't really care to be there. That wasn't for us. That moment was for them because they were at that gathering. They were at that event and they needed it for whatever they needed it for. Everybody has to do their internal work. Everybody has to do their healing work when they're deconstructing because it does so much damage. And those ladies were having a moment where they were healing their body work. They were accepting their whole selves and exposing themselves to the world in that process of them healing themselves. Now, the message, because we're into decolonization, ultimately was, oh, look at these white women. They just disregarding everybody's feelings. 
nobody asked what us black people were feeling when we mm. saw the picture. Mm. <laughs> nobody asked us and we didn't ask anybody for them to include us in the conversation. Yeah. I looked at the picture and scrolled on. Did you catch that? Yeah. I scrolled on. Because my purpose isn't in that picture. My purpose, I know myself. I've done my inner work. Now, doesn't negate that, you know, there are people who were looking to them uh, for an example. We do that. Human beings do that because we need community. That's who we are. That's what we do. Um, but to immediately attack the women in the picture, mm, that's not the work. That's not the work. Yeah. The work isn't calling people out that when I stepped back and I was looking at the whole thing unfold, I was like, Oh, I was like, yeah, that's not part of the work. Mm -hmm. Part of the work is doing what they were doing. Oh, what? Yeah. That, that really leads me. Plans. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, no, it leads me to ask. Cause I have wanted to kind of ask a little bit more about the, what you're doing more publicly now, because I know you talked about your journey was pretty private at first. Mm -hmm. And now you do have, you, you are sharing on your Instagram on deconstructing black and now you're starting deconstructing colors. And so with that shift, what has it looked like for you to be so open in public about your journey and, and what what you're doing? And I think part of it is what you're saying here is people are pulling you into conversations that you're not necessarily wanting to be part of. So yeah, um, yeah I would love to hear you talk and about that. And also like what, what does it look like to do the work? Like what you're saying is like, I think it's very easy to post an angry comment on Instagram and that may as you're saying, not be the work. What is, so what is, you know, how can you challenge people to maybe do that work yeah. um, in themselves? Well, and I point at myself in asking that question. That's why I posted what I did during all of that melee. I posted a post saying, hey, everybody, send me your pictures of you making new friends meeting people outside of your usual, you know, circle, because that's the work. Mm -hmm. That's it. This thing about people who are of conservative thought and who are of liberal thought going against each other on social media, they do that a lot. What doesn't happen is them actually sitting together just having a meal, not talking about politics, talking about how they like roller skating and the movie they watched a week ago. That's the work. Talking about their kids and their soccer teams, talking about, uh, you know, uh, their favorite foods. <laughs> talking about how over the holidays they gained another seven pounds. 
<laughs> I wish it was only seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the work. Going out and being a human being with other human beings. That's the work. Pictures aren't the work. Pictures can say something. Pictures definitely can put out a message. Absolutely. Um, and yes, yes, we should be responsible with how we send out our messages. Don't get me wrong on that. The response um, from some in regard to that situation, um, some were good. Some reached out to me personally. Um, Joe Lumen called me on the phone and checked on me directly. My name was put there as a, um, a representative because I said, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine because I've done my inner work. But for those people who are in the process of getting to where I might be right now, for them, it hurt them. They expressed that. And it should be acknowledged. It should not be dismissed. Just because one of us, who doesn't speak for everybody, is okay, doesn't mean everybody's okay. Hmm. And we need to accept that conversation as well. Um, but that happens when you do the work. I literally got taken out to lunch for my birthday by one of those ladies in that picture. So I'm doing, I'm doing the work. Uh -huh. yeah. I'm talking to them. I'm sitting down with them. I'm cultivating friendships with them. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember the picture that I have with Blair and Rachel and, you know, uh -huh. that's, that's a, that's a normal thing. We're in communication with one another. We're always checking on each other. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, supporting each other any way that we can. So I'm glad that I had that because, you know, um, it kept me from, you know, being hurt by it. Um, because I understood what was going on a little bit better than others may have. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, Brenda did reach out to me. Um, and, um, you know, was kind in doing so. Uh, but I know my space, you know, and um, I'm going to stay in my purpose. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that part. Um, what I'm not okay with is everybody, you know, throwing stones at each other. We just came out of that. Yeah. We just left that. Yeah. Let's not yeah. go back in a space that's supposed to be safe for all of us. And if we find that there are people who express to us they are not safe, and by the way, I'm going to be upfront. I respect the girl who said, I'm not a safe space for you. Hmm. She's letting you know that she still has work to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let her, let her do her work. Let yeah. her work through whatever she needs to work through to get to uh, a newer place of compassion. Because when she's there, she's it's genuine, it's real, it's not contrived, it's not coerced. It's not performance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like the idea that I've been off of Instagram. I, I've only been DMing people that I regularly, you know, DM. I've been liking people that I regularly like and 
just to show my support and everything. But um, for the most part, I've been off because I'm, I'm working on some things. Um, but, uh, you know, when I saw how, um, you know, they reached out to me, uh, I, I realized that I wasn't getting further support. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. So I'm going to leave that there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate, um, what you have to say in your perspective on that. And, and I think that it, like I resonate and I'm like, I don't know what the better word is. I want to say convicted, but that's like so Christian-y and triggering. <laughs> I don't I don't know, yeah. but I don't know what the better word is. I'm having a no shit moment, I guess. I, maybe that's better. Uh in terms of like <laughs> yeah. yeah, uh where where I can actually begin to practice and do some of that that real work. Um and part of that yeah. I do really believe is supporting voices that you're also listening to. And I think that that's uh, uh, kind of a good segue for us to maybe talk about how people can support after you're maybe, you know, done with your Instagram break and you kind of get back to posting and creating content. Where where are ways, how are ways that people can both actively listen um, as you're speaking and also bringing in other voices, um, but also support that work um, that you're doing and that, that that you're a part of? Well, I'm, I am going to be focused more on uh, the nonprofit that I'm trying to begin. Um, the first aim is to, um, of course, get our status. But um, the purpose of uh, what's going to be deconstructing colors is to deconstruct colors, to deconstruct, um, you know, society uh, in a way where we're supporting organizations that need that boost. Um, the grassroots organizations that don't get as much visibility and um, the intent is to also provide education about other cultures, other backgrounds, how you can get involved in your own community, um, how you can start to support the grassroots organizations that you might not know about in your own town that support ideas and ideals that bring togetherness, that solve problems and bring solutions to the root causes of our society's ills. So um, that is going to be the aim. And uh, if anybody wants to support that, um, they can go to Deconstructing Colors on IG. And uh, there is a link to um, the cash app um i'm going to change the platform for that eventually but for now it's the cash app um and that money is going to be raised to um, start building that organization to uh, promote everything that i hope to see um yeah it is definitely work um i noticed that um i see people who are posting their pictures and, you know, doing different things to you know, do their own personal healing. Eventually, I'm hoping that I see people with other folks they've never been in the presence of before. Mm. I, I'm hoping I see posts about, oh, I didn't know that in this culture they do this, you know, and it was so mm. nice to participate in it today. You know, mm. I yeah. want that. I want to see more of that. Um, and um, that's what Deconstructing Colors is going to be about. For Deconstructing Black, 
um, I created um, a prasada that I'm going to tell a story with. I'm really excited about that. I love that. And, um, you know, everybody's going to be able to see, hopefully see pieces of their own journey in it. Um, and know that, um, the process of, um, you know, deconstructing is not something you can define and put in any box. Um, you know, there aren't any check marks for it. There's no manuals. Um, however, um, I do plan on coming out with a few ebooks, some short ebooks that can help some people, you know, with working through it. Um, in different ways, um, you know, it might prove useful, uh, you know, I'll give it a shot. I, I've mulled over it for, you know, the past year and I was like, I don't want to tell people what to do, you know, but, um, I was like, okay, well, I, but I can tell people what worked for me, you know, and, and yeah. maybe it'll, you know, work for other folks and, uh, you know, just kind of see what, what, what happens with that and the proceeds from the ebooks are actually going to be to raise money for deconstructing colors. Okay. So um, great. Some, some things I'm working on right now um, over the next few months that are coming about. So um so yeah but yeah That's it, awesome. you know, it's it's inevitable to go through deconstruction and um you know hit the decolonization mark because uh it's, it's literally, you know, intertwined so, so deeply. Um, I was, um, all, I always bring up this book, the, the um, indoctrination of the, the Negro in the United States. And um, it's uh, written by a uh, clergyman who created that book for other clergymen to be guided on how to indoctrinate slaves into Christianity uh, for the purpose the sole purpose of controlling them. Um, some of the things in that book, well, have made me pause quite a bit. <laughs> I've had to um, read that book very slowly because it definitely brings up some emotions, um, especially yeah. when we talk about how um, how lacking in morals my ancestors were, I suppose. I'm like, and that's, that's that community thing. We don't, you know, black folks, we don't feel separate from our ancestors at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we respect them so much. Uh, I mean, how can you not? How can yeah. you not respect people that got hosed and dogs chasing after you and hung and yet you fought and you fought and you fought? How could you not respect that? How yeah. could you not respect all of the pain and suffering and separation and, uh, you know, being taken away from your language and everything and still, you know, pushing through, having children, marrying, having families, starting businesses. And how can you not respect that? So whenever people look at slavery and say it happened so long ago, for us, you are talking about our people yeah not so much the slavery mm. you were literally pissing on the names of the people that had the resilience to fight and pursue their freedom in a country that said that they could mm. so when it's oh slavery was all no that's my ans my ancestors 
pushed through, their babies being sliced from their bellies to be here, to have me here. Mm. Don't disrespect them by negating their struggle and what they went through. That's why it's so important to us. Yeah. Because we're not disconnected from them. They are our lineage. They are always going to be a part of us. They're always going to be the reason why we are here. So, of course, we're going to feel some type of way when you say slavery was so long ago. Mm -hmm. Right. I get it. I get it. It was a while back. But when I think about the fact that my grandmother's mom picked cotton, it's not that far away from me. It's not that far. No. (laughs) When my uncle Harry Flournoy played for Texas Western at the time that it was called Texas Western to be part of the first the first in the 1960s, the first all black starting lineup in a college game to win a national championship and also change the rules and the way that the NBA basketball games were played because of their technique and their style. And he just, I mean, was a generation away from me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell me it's nothing. Mm. respect it respect it just respect it yeah you don't have to um you know (laughs) cry (laughs) with me or anything because that's not what we're doing over here either but what you Mm. should do is respect it because these people who went through all of this and didn't do what she was afraid they was going to do because they had every reason to. Mm. That's, that's huge. I mean, think of all the years and years and years of suffering. And um, even though there were rebellions, there were uprisings, we still welcomed everyone into our community even to our demise, (laughs) even to our demise. We had partnerships with white men who owned businesses and they Mm. snatched up our businesses from underneath us, our farms from underneath us, our horses, our cattle from underneath us. They sharecropped us to death. And Jim Crowed us, you know, all the way into the 80s. <laughs> so um, we're still here. We still respect that others can be here too. And, um, you know, that's, that's all my community wants is, you know, for those things to be respected as well. Yeah. Yeah. Togetherness. <laughs> Togetherness. It's yeah. so easy. It really is. <laughs> I hope people, you know, come to realize just how, how easy it is to, um, you know, just hold your tongue long enough to hear something that you might not have heard before and to feel somebody else's humanity. Mm. You yeah. know, and I'm going to be, um, 
you know, definitely doing some things with deconstructing colors to get folks involved. So I hope people, um, you know, definitely don't just look and scroll. I hope they get involved and they do it and they participate because it's going to be fun and it's going to be enlightening and it's going to enrich everyone's life. Can you imagine you know, making a new friend that you didn't expect was going to be one of the best people you could ever possibly have around you. Yeah. The experiences that can come from, you know, expanding your mind from learning another culture or another practice of some kind and, and, and getting to uh, join in with it and, and have a memory to tell your grandkids there are so many different things and the inspiration that you can give to somebody else who may have been marginalized. The the doors you can, you know, help them walk through, Uh, you know, the support that you can give them to uh, be able to, you know, hit that next plateau. Just, I mean, it's endless. It's endless, the things that it could do. And I always think back to how if, there were no slavery or if slavery ended sooner and there was no Jim Crow. How many, you know, black wall streets would there be? Oh my goodness. And how, and the funny thing is, is that America really would be an ultimate power in the world. If that had happened, if the suppression of the natives wasn't so hard on their community. Our lands would look gorgeous. Think we see a sunset now? Think we see mm. a forest right now? The way they know how to handle the earth? Every yeah. would want to come to America for genuine reason. The thing is, is we have this illusion of being the greatest. We could actually have it, though. Mm. We could actually be it. And we're losing it because we're not sitting at the table together, talking about our kids, talking about our dreams, talking about, you know, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, talking about the funny stories of how we fell on our ass, you know, stuff, you know, things that make us human. We're not focused on that, but I want to put the spotlight on all of that. So I hope everybody comes, you know, everybody who's on my page already, I hope they all come with me and um, grow this, you know, endeavor because it yeah. can do so much. Yeah. Yeah. We hope so too. And, and, and we want to encourage everybody listening to, to we'll put the links in the show notes and, you know, we've got, uh, not a huge, huge following, but, uh, hopefully everybody who does listen and subscribe here will get behind what you're doing and, and go and actually, like you said, actually do the work, actually get involved. Um, and, we want to continue to be a support here uh, for sure from, from our end as well. So thank you. Yeah, Brandy, thank you. I appreciate you guys. I do. I see y'all. I see y'all liking my stuff and everything. <laughs> I'll see you. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast and having this conversation. This has been really great. I know I've learned a lot and I just really hope that our listeners really just 
listen, take some time to listen and, and think about all the things you've talked about. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Till next time. Cause I'm sure we'll have an update from you on a, on a future episode. Oh, yeah, so, sure. <laughs> till, till next time. Thank you so much for being here. Wow. That was a great interview. Yes. <laughs> it was, it was awesome. We, we were figuring out, I just, we might as well be transparent. We're figuring out how to come out of an interview on these outros, um, in post. So that's what you guys hear when we, when we cut from an interview into us going like, yeah, okay. Anyway. It's interesting. I, I loved hearing her journey, but one of the things that I really resonated with is the start of her journey and how taking things literally. And that's kind of what we're taught to do is really what in the end made her realize how fucked up everything was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I think we, we talked about it after, cause we, after we got off the interview later that day or a day later, I was like, yeah, man, I feel like you don't hear a lot of stories of people going a little deeper before they come out the other side. But I know that was my story. I was like pretty on the outside. And then I got real like kind of like we better take shit real seriously. And then was that that kind of like doubling down or that extra fundamentalism that then drove me into my deconstruction? you know? Yeah. And it, it's so interesting because I people give these hot takes and are like, you know, these people have never read the Bible. And I'm like, no, it was actually reading the Bible that made me be like, really, David, people love him. Like, I, I just, I can't get it. So it was, it was interesting to see that, that, um, perspective from Karina and also what she's doing now and just bringing people together. And I loved it. So, um, I hope you'll check out her work. We're going to drop her information, her Instagram in the show notes and everything, but I hope you'll check that out. And we really appreciate everybody that's been listening. It's It's been fun connecting with people, talking to people, seeing it on Twitter, and just having those conversations about these episodes because really, honestly, I sit in the interviewer seat, but I'm so moved when, when we have these interviews. And so it's been, it's been fun for us, but like powerful for us, but also fun to see what other people's response is to each, each conversation. Yeah. We will. I mean, we want to do this as like, for me, at least it is about the relationships. It's about connecting with people. Um, it's about sharing stories. And so I definitely wanted to bring up, uh, we mentioned, uh, Jared on the last podcast, but we didn't mention that Jared left us a pretty kick-ass review on Apple Podcasts. I haven't even seen it. Uh, no, yeah. I have not. Jared left us a cool review and uh, someone by the name Eliz, E-L-I-Z-S. Uh, so both of those reviews came in since we last recorded and they both made me smile. So if you leave a review on our Apple Podcast uh, page, you get a shout out. I think that that's only fair. And we really appreciate those reviews because they really do help us reach more people and, you know, kind of like uh, give us a little bit more exposure on those platforms in a world where there is, I think, almost like, I don't know, three billion podcasts or something. I think that's an overestimate, but I think there's yeah, like and, close and we're to three the only million podcasts. one in the world of deconstruction, too. The yeah, only podcast it, we, we really do, are. We have a unique show for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nobody else has these guests. <laughs> yeah, don't Google any of our guest names because you'll find other podcasts way cooler <laughs> than ours. Uh, but if, if uh, you don't already, we do appreciate a like and a subscribe uh, on whatever platform you listen to. And then as always, Instagram and Twitter are great ways to connect and engage with us uh, in between episodes. Uh, I have my Twitter, uh, which is just at Courtney Coffee, um, also on Instagram, also on Space Hey, if you're out there uh, getting on the new MySpace uh, at Courtney Coffee. It's not going to happen. Portland Space <laughs> Hey, it's not going to happen. It's happening, man. Uh, <laughs> Megan, where can people connect with you? Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter, Instagram at The Pursuing Life. Don't forget about the Deconstruction Book Club that I mentioned in the intro. If you want to connect with that, shoot me a DM and I'll send you a link to the Discord. And um, definitely, again, check out Karina's work and we'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening. And as always, we'll be back every Tuesday with new episodes. We have some great stuff coming up. All right. Have a good holiday.